Well, turn in your Bible with me to the book of Mark chapter 11. In Romans chapter 1, don't go there, but the Bible says in verse 15, Paul said to the Romans, he said, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. He said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, which is the power of God. Say power of God. Now, what he tells us there is that the Word of God is the power of God. You say, well, God is so powerful. Well, you know, in the Old Testament, lightning bolts, earthquakes, but that's not the power of God in this day. People are looking for the power of God in miracles or the power of God in physical manifestations, but that's not the power of God. It's the Word of God that is the power of God. But... You can take things that also have power in them, like you can take gasoline or kerosene or alcohol, and you can carry it around. You can even, you wouldn't want to, but some of them that are unrefined, like peanut oil, which has power in it, you can actually drink it. It's not deadly to you, but it's got inherent energy. But none of this stuff will move anything in your life or change anything in your life until it's converted. Would you say converted? See, conversion is real important. You, you can take a gallon of gasoline, and, and you need to go 17 miles down the road. You need to be there, and you've got a gallon of gasoline, but you need an engine to convert the gasoline to power. You need to go 17 miles down the road, but without that engine, that gasoline is just really, you need to leave it where you are and start walking. It'd be better not to take it. So an engine will convert alcohol and ethanol and nuclear and hydrogen. It will take something that's relatively benign. We're actually breathing hydrogen right now. But if you put it in an engine, it'll cause a tremendous display of power that will actually destroy things or, in the good side, cause great things to happen. But in its unconverted state, it's relatively benign. It's relatively safe. Well, the Word of God is that same thing. It's relatively benign. Here I have one. You all have one in your lap. You've got some at home. We call it the Word of God. And it's not really the Word of God until it's spoken, until it's taken off, but it has the inherent ability then to be spoken if you can read it. But it's relatively benign until it's converted. Now, I'm teaching you all something real important this morning. Because this is what most Christians do not know. And so we get to teach them all these things, but if they don't have this in their life, they can't get the other. That the Word of God is the power of God, but it does not release power, even though it's inherent in its capacity, until it's converted by an engine. And the engine that God uses to convert His Word into mountain-moving power is the human heart. Nothing else will work but it works every time. Your heart is the engine that converts the relatively benign Word of God into something that will move mountains. It will create universes. It will destroy, it will create, it will lift up, it will change. There's nothing like it. It is the greatest power ever. But the engine is so insignificant, so inobtrusive, so in the background, you could completely miss it and discount it and say that's not of any value. We need something that's state-of-the-art, something that's so spiritual and something that's so holy it's in a special gold-gilded vault with angels over it and, you know, special people walking around it. But actually, it's inside of every one of us. 
and it's called our heart. And that heart, when it takes the planted word of God, the power, the inherent power of God, takes it and it's embedded inside of that and then speaks out of that heart, it will do anything that God has relegated to that power. Are you with me? So we are powerful, potentially. But two things have to happen. First of all, you got to know that the engine's inside of you. And it's not in something that you do. It's not in works. Well, if I'm just good enough, God will do something for me. That's not how the power is converted. He's not looking down there saying, I'd sure like to do something nice, but I don't have enough to do for everybody, so I'm going to pick special people out, and I'm going to do for them, and the rest of them just can go to hell. That's not God, but that's what theology, that's what religion says, is that God has special people, and the rest of us are just fending for ourselves. I'm telling you, this is whosoever power. You've got the engine already inside of you. We just got to pump it in you, just like we would come up to BP or Texaco. We just got to pump it in you, and then you've got to crank the engine. You could have a full tank of gas and have an engine under the hood, but you got to crank it. You got to put the key in and crank it, and then you got to put it in D. Then you know that what's in the tank is going to cause what you need done, done. The Word of God is the original power, and your heart is is the original engine. There is no limit. If we can get enough power in you, enough inherent power by the Word of God, and we can get you cranked where you believe that you put the key in and it's going to go if I put it in D, if we can get that in you, there is no limitation to your life. Sickness has to go. Poverty and lack have to go because the power of God is taking over. In Mark chapter 11, did you turn there? It says in verse 23, he talks about this engine. And Jesus said, I say to you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. We're talking about a whosoever here. Shall put those words, those promises into his heart, and believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. What does it say? He shall have whatsoever things he saith. So we see here that the output or the transmission of this conversion is what we say. What a great plan God has. It is hidden from the wise. You have to almost be dumb as a rock. You have to almost be low level to even be able to pick up on this. You have to be wise in God and almost stupid in the world in order to believe this because you'd be looking for something much more complicated, much more ethereal, much more, you know, spiritual than just like, I just got to believe God's word and speak it and it'll happen. And that's it. So it's hidden. From those people. I wrote down here, said it last week, you've got to decide where you want to go in 2007 and point your tongue in that direction. And I'm telling you, it's a trip. This year is a trip, but I'm telling you also, it's not just going to happen. you got to get involved. Well, I've noticed everybody's talking anyway. I've noticed everybody's putting fuel in their tank anyway. If we're going to put something in our tank, we're going to turn the key, we might as well go with God. It's not going to be more trouble. We're just going to have to be more selective and understand what's going on. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. We're talking about the law of confession. There's lots of laws. There's the law of faith. There's the law of love. There's the law of seed time and harvest. We're going to talk about the law of confession. Matthew chapter 12. Your tank is full this morning. 
Matter of fact, your engine is ready. The battery is charged. You can crank it anytime, but you got to put it in drive. You got to put your tongue in drive and not just access your head. That's the problem is the tires are attached to the head and it's attached to the uh, heart. We got to engage the heart. Amen. It says in chapter 12 of Matthew, Jesus talks about this law. Verse 33. Look at what it says. He says, either make the tree good and his fruit good. Now, notice there it says his fruit. Notice there it's talking to a tree like it's a living thing. It doesn't even say it like you would say to a rock. It says make his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt for the tree is known by his fruit. Real important there. Verse 35. Let's skip down to verse 35 because he's talking about this power that you and I have in our life. He says, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. He says, a good man is good because he says a tree is known by its fruit. A good man is good because the good man brings forth good things. It's not that it's just like we were born good or we were born bad. He says, you become good or you become evil based on what you bring forth. And then he turns and he says, and there's another side there. He says, an evil man, that really is literally an unbelieving man. People don't like to say evil is satanic, demonic, and, you know, perverse. But evil is actually, in God's eyes, is just unbelieving. So an unbelieving man, out of an unbelieving treasure, bringeth forth evil or unbelieving things, things that are not of faith. Well... A good man brings out of the good treasure. That word treasure, we've talked about this before, is the word deposit. So he says that what you deposit or what you fill up your tank with is what you've got to bring forth. Now, I notice that all of us have got good ears and good eyes and everything, and that all of us that want to bring forth good things are not just filling up our life with good things. Sometimes you'll flip on a TV, you'll read a book, you'll see things in public that aren't good, and it goes in. Is that right? You'll hear a word, you'll see something that's lascivious, and it went in. You heard it, and you know what was said, and it was evil. It wasn't wonderful, and it went in. But the thing is kind of like Congress. We've got a real thing in Congress right now, in the Senate, where, where there's still just about the same amount of Democrats and Republicans as there was last term. It just changed a little bit. Matter of fact, the majority now that the Democrats have is just one. Aren't there 51 Democrats? And I guess there's 49 of the other. And so it's practically the same. There's barely a difference. But now we're talking about the majority rules. We're talking about Congress is democratically what they call controlled controlled even by just one majority. Well, it's the same thing with your treasure. Whatever's in control, whatever has the upper hand inside of here, apparently has control. In other words, you just speak one thing, and it's not that you can't speak anything until everything's pure, but whatever's in control, whatever's got the upper hand, whatever is in charge inside of your heart, that it becomes a treasure, he said that has control in your life. Are you with me here? Let's go back up to verse 34 and see that. He says in verse 34, O generation of vipers. How many of y'all know Jesus just didn't always have the, uh, the church growth thing down? <laughs> he didn't always just get up and just say, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. All the visitors, we're so glad you're here. We're just so glad you're here. He said, You vipers, you snake bed. 
Oh, hallelujah. How can ye, how can ye? No, so there's a principle here. How can you? What he's saying here is you cannot. But he's asking them, how can you even think you can? Being evil or being unbelieving, speak good things. So here we see that it's impossible out of the heart, out of the heart, which is the engine that processes the power of God. All the power of God has to be processed through the heart. None of it can work through the head. You can't know that by his stripes I was healed in the head and get any results in your body. It has to go through the heart. There's something about the fuel that has to be processed in the heart. It's not just that you have his word, the power of God. You have this and you can read it. Well, let's read God's power. Let's get God's power. By his stripes ye were healed. Well, that ought to be enough. No, it's got to be processed in the engine. It has to go through the full cycle and processed down here in your heart, not in your head. But we could know some things in our head before we knew some things in our heart. We could, couldn't we? We could know some things in our head, knowledge-wise, that weren't in our heart, not down in our spirit, not down in who we really are. That engine that converts the power of God into what we really need in life. And Jesus called it good things. He said, the good man out of the good treasure or deposit of heart brings forth good things. How many of y'all know we want good things? That we don't want unbelieving things. We didn't know there'd be a choice before you was born again. You just thought life was life. There's the good and the bad. But now we know that life isn't made up of just circumstances. Well, I didn't get educated. I married wrong. He's a bum. I have a sorry job. And, you know, I'm disabled and I can't do. No, we found out the future is not based on the past. It's based on what's in your heart. Well, see right there, I can change it. I can live above my life circumstances, what my parents gave me or didn't give me, what my boss says I can do. You're never going anywhere. You're just a piece of junk. You'll never make it in this company. What your husband says about you, you're not limited anymore because now it's a personal, individual thing. You can take the power of God, put it in your heart, convert it, bring it out of your mouth, and change your life by the weekend. Now, we've greatly diminish that. We've taken the American or the commerce way of life and we've converted it to our Christianity. We've said, I've got $2. I need a can of beans. Beans are $1. I want two cans. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to exchange my $2 for two cans of beans and we're both happy. They'll sell them to me. I'll have the beans and it'll be right. But that's not the way it is in the kingdom. You have to get everything through this conversion. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So it's whoever's in majority rule. It's whatever's in control. So you can have some things that are relatively not really on. You can have some doubts and some things that aren't there so long as the abundance of what's inside of you is working in your behalf. In other words, that you believe by his stripes I was healed, you get that down, but it doesn't mean you know everything about it. It doesn't mean that you understand all about it. It doesn't mean that you really have all of it, but you're convinced, bless God, it happened. And so when you go to speak, you're going to speak of the power out of this conversion. All that's inherent in here that God created the universes, the worlds with, can come down out of your heart. It can come out of your mouth and change your future. The same power. In other words, God uses the same fuel that he's given to you and me. He used the same engine in his own life to create the worlds. Isn't that what it said in Genesis 1? It said, God said, light be. 
He said it. What did he say? He said it. He didn't just think it. He didn't just say, I am God. I don't have to go through the usual processes. No, this is the way the kingdom's set up in every realm. The devil has to function under it. Angels have to operate in it. You and I have to operate in it. No exceptions. It is how it is. That tells you the devil has no exceptions. Angels can't get around it. Jesus couldn't get around it. The Son of God had to operate according to this set of kingdom principles then you and I aren't going to get a pass. So we got to line up. We got to line up. We got to adjust. Just can't say, but I don't want to, or I don't think so, or I don't understand, or that's not the way it's been, or I've done pretty good without it. All of that is moot because you got to say, if Father did it, if Holy Ghost does it, if Jesus does it, it must be the way it is. And it is the way it is. And it's clearly articulated in the Word of God. So why do people have trouble? Why do bad things happen to good people? Number one, they just don't know enough. They just don't know enough. The kingdom is set, and they don't know how the kingdom is set. So it's like they gave them a bat, and there's this huge round ball comes out. There's no bag, but there's this goalpost down there. And they've got a bat and a basketball and a goalpost. And it's like, what are the rules to this game? And so Christians are playing with all these rules of grandma and, you know, Methodist and Baptist and Catholic theology, all these things. And they got all this equipment out here and nobody knows when they win. Nobody knows how to win because we've got these things. They've put this stuff in here. But the fact is, you've got to get the rules. You've got to get the equipment out and get the rules set to know how to win. So throw the bat away, get the hoop up there, get it all set, and you can know when you win. Amen. So here's the thing. Life is ruled by your heart words. The power of God is in his word. So when you begin to hope, I'm going to make it on a miracle, I'm going to make it when Brother Doodad lays hands on me, the evangelist has outstanding results, or I'm going to do it by good works, I'm going to do it by being good. You just need to know you are playing with a basketball with a goalpost down there and holding a bat trying to get it down there. It's just not going to play out. You'll get some semblance, you'll be in the game sort of, and it'll feel like it's spiritual, but you won't get to win. You'll always just be short of getting healed. You'll get some relief. They'll lay hands on you. You'll feel better, but you'll go home and you'll go, dear Lord, I feel bad again. You know, pastor doesn't have it anymore. Not saying, what are the rules of the kingdom? And I'm telling you the law of confession. It is more sure than gravity. Gravity is not a big thing in heaven. It's a major thing down here. We just say we're not doing without it 10 seconds. Everything comes unglued. An earthquake is a no big deal compared to not having gravity for 10 seconds. And everything comes unwound for 10 seconds. Life as we know it is over. So confession, the law of confession, we got to know. Listen to me. It is more real and more sure and more consistent than gravity. And gravity has never, ever failed us in recorded history. Never an incident. The sun has stood still. The sun stood still. But gravity has never failed. And the law of confession has never failed. And what we're going to do in this little series, if we can, is we're going to start attaching worth and value 
to our words. And we're going to understand. Throw away the bat, get rid of the goalposts. Verse 33, he said, you, you make the tree good. Look what the Lord Jesus said. He's outlining the principle here. He says, you make the tree good. So that means there's a potential that the tree might not be good if you don't make it good. So there's an involvement on you. It's you make the tree good, and therefore the fruit will be good. So he's saying here, if you will put the deposit in, if you will be mindful over what the treasure is, if you will make sure that who's in charge, what's in control in your heart, if you'll make the tree good, he said, what you speak, the fruit will be good, and the tree will be known in other words, you'll have the benefits of what you speak. Life will come at you yucky. The curse is here. Bad in-laws there. Terrible situation here. No education there. Got chronic things in your body that have always been. All these things that are saying, this is how your life's going to go. But he said, you make the tree good. You put the deposit of the power of God in. And then the words that come out will unwind everything against you. Your life will be known as good. But if you don't make the tree good, if you don't put the good deposit in, there's a default that says if you don't put in good by default in this curse-ridden world, you will have bad things come in. It's on TV, it's in conversation, it's with people, it's just inherent in this world. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 that the devil is the God of this world and he's in charge. So everything that God is not in charge of that you don't lay hold of, the devil by default is in charge of. So it's not like, well, I'm a Christian now, now it's good. God's in control. God's not in control. You make the tree good. You're in control. I said, you're in control. Now, you have a free pass. You have an access to everything that heaven has. And in that sense, you're in control. If you use the pass every day in every way, you have put God in control. By his word, you know what the outcome's going to be. But if you just say, whew, I'm a Christian. I'm just going to take it as it comes. You are the same as the sinner, the unbeliever, and you'll have what the unbeliever has. And he has plenty of trouble. He has plenty of trouble. Now he goes on in verse 35. He says, a good man, this good man is good because out of the good treasure of the heart... He bringeth forth good things. And then we saw in verse 34, he said, how does he bring forth good things? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaks. So there's going to be some talking involved. Put it in D. You're going to have to talk. The engine's running. The fuel tank's full. Everything's there. But you've got to put it in drive. You've got to put the transmission in. You've got to speak. Power of God's in here. By his stripes, I am healed. He was made poor that I through his poverty might be made rich. It's in there. I got the power of God inside of me. It's in my heart. It's down there. But I got to speak. What the Lord says is, is that you will speak when what you have that's considered a treasure is greater than what is considered the other. In other words, when you get a majority rule, your mouth will automatically speak. And if you're having to work on it, well, I have bad confession and I forget and I don't know. You just need to know it's not your mouth. You can't, from the mental side, you can't control your mouth. You can say, I'm going to say good things, and that's good. But really, it doesn't matter. It sure doesn't matter what somebody else says about you. 
We used to be on that as the confession police, you know, don't say that about me. Well, the only way it can affect you is if you believe it to such a place that it becomes an abundance, and then by default, your abundant heart is going to speak that, whatever it is. So if people say you're no good, until you believe it, it doesn't matter. And if you say you're no good, it doesn't matter until you believe it. But if you hear it from them and you hear it from you enough, it's finally one day going to have an election in your heart and there's going to be a 51% rule and all of a sudden the evil heart, the unbelieving heart is going to be in control and you're going to start saying, you can't help it. It's in charge. You're going to start saying, well, I, you know, nothing ever good happens to me. Everybody gets blessed but me. It seems like everywhere I go, I just don't get it. It seems like, you know, everybody gets blessed but me. And all of a sudden, you find out your life, you're known by your fruit. I mean, these are tremendously powerful words he's just told us. And then he says, I say to you that every idle word, that word is also translated unemployed, but it also is the word used for women to say barren or for a field that's been wasted unemployed, idle, every idle, unemployed, fallow, or barren word that men shall speak, empty words, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Well, I know there is a day of judgment, but that's not what this is talking about. It's talking about when you need something good. That's the day of judgment. You've come to a crisis or the day of judgment. Judgment's not evil. Judgment is just a rendering. It's just a verdict. Which way will it go? It could be a good judgment or it could be a bad judgment. Judgment's not always bad. The day of judgment, the day of the verdict, as it were, is based on what you filled your words with before the judgment. When there's two guys going up for promotion in a job, who's going to get it? The day of judgment, when the boss announces it, is based on what words you spoke. If you spoke, he'll probably get it because I'm no good and I haven't done right. Well, hello, go back to your little cubicle because it's going to be a while <laughs> until you can fill up your heart with treasure that says, I have favor on my life. Coming in and going out, men, give me what I need. Until you can say that and out of the abundance of your heart, you're just going to be old number two or less. Well, it's not fair. It's a man thing. I'm a woman and the men always get it. It's not a woman thing. Ladies, I'm telling you, if women don't have what men have in this generation, it's because we've had generations of treasure that's been put in us to say, men always get the better and women always get the less. So we've said it, we've said it, we've reinforced it, we've believed it to abundance until we've just said it. We've just paired it out that say, well, you know, women don't make as much as men. Same thing with race. The minority guy, the minority woman is going to say, what about me? You just went around me because it's racial. You just got to know it was your words. That they can't go around you. They can't put you back. They can't get around you if your treasure is life. That if it, your treasure comes out of here, I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. In my coming in and my going out, I'm blessed. You just need to know if you got three ears on this side of your head, you're going to win the beauty contest. They're going to say, isn't she pretty? If your treasure's there. It doesn't matter if you're tall, dark, and handsome, you're, and you're a Harvard man. If you've got a potty mouth about the things of unbelief, then some high school dropout's going to come up and going to take your job away. It will not be different. It will not be different. There are no other circumstances that affect these things. Men are governed towards you and towards life 
based on your mouth. Jesus says, you make the tree good and the fruit will be good. What shows up on promotion day just reveals what you did before promotion day. Same thing with healing, same thing with prosperity. It is not a money issue. It is not a money issue. It is not a money issue. So verse 36, he says, I say to you, every idle, unemployed, barren, and foul a word that men shall speak, they'll give an account. It's coming up. It's going to show up. There's going to be a day where everything you say of life or of death is going to show up. It's going to appear in your life. In other words, what goes on in here is going to be revealed out here. So if you're perverse on the inside, if you feed on things that are perverse and illicit and immoral, Nobody knows. They never saw you. You just need to know the tree's not good. The fruit won't be good. And there's going to be a day of judgment where the righteous are going to have it and the perverse are going to be left behind. So this is not hard. All of a sudden, we get to the place where we say, I can do that. I'm the one that has three years on this side. I'm the one that is the drop. Everything's against me. But all of a sudden, the great equalizer has come in. And not only am I qualified... I'm God's pick. I'm the one that's on top. In other words, I have the way now to go to the front of the class and without putting anybody down. God doesn't have to destroy my enemies and actually burn them or, or, or slay them to put me up there. He just puts me up there. And then verse 37, he says, By thy words thou shalt be justified. Say, my words. My words. See, not circumstances. Not education. By my words, I shall be justified, and by my words, I will be condemned. In other words, it's like the jury comes in, and the judge says, have you reached a verdict? And he reads the verdict on your life. It's not a judge. It's not God. It's your circumstances. It's what's in your life. The verdict comes down. Blessed. We find that the person that's been so charged with having three years on this side of their head and being a dropout and being ugly to the max and, you know, having a hard time, we find them prosperous. The evidence demands they be acquitted of poverty and being at the back. It has to be a righteous judge. The Lord's not judging us. Our words are what we put in our heart, what we put in our treasure. Amen? So here's the bottom line. Here's where we are. We'll have to quit with this. But kingdom law says this. By your own words, so go your one and only life. There are other things involved, of course, like I said, seed time and harvest. You can't just only speak. You have to put the fuel in the tank. You have to fill it up. But if you'll put it in there, the engine of your heart will convert it, and you will drive in that lane. You will drive in that place. And there's no other way this can go. Gravity will fail before the law of confession won't work. Gravity will fail. It will fail before the law of confession, the laws of God, will fail. One time in Luke chapter 4, Peter came in. He'd been fishing all night. Why did they fish all night? Well, they fished all night because the fish could see the nets in the day, and they would never catch anything today. So fishermen fished at night. It's how they worked. But Peter only fished according to experience. All fishermen do that. They do it by experience. There's no hard set rule that says, if thou shalt cast 23 feet with a Zebco 250, thou shalt always reap. There's no principle or law. So they went out and they fished. Jesus operated by a law that was greater than experience. He had no idea physically 
what the fish were doing that day or cold water, temperature, sun, overcast, you know, whatever. But he believed that whatsoever you say and believe that you have, you'll have what you say. So what did he tell Peter? He said, go let down your nets for a catch. Luke chapter 4. Let down your nets for a catch. And Peter bucked up. He bucked up and said, based on experience, Lord, that's not really the best avenue, of the best use of our time. We've already been out all night. We're tired. We'd like to go to the house and just cut our losses. But Jesus believed the law that will never fail. He believed that what he said would come to pass. You know the story. He went out with his net. He was a little bit of a rebel. He didn't get in there and say, yeah, load all the nets up. He just said, yeah, you know, just to get him off of us, put one net in and let's sail out there a little ways. Well, you know the story. His nets break, and he called all his buddies over. He believed the law. Jesus believed the law was greater than Peter's experience. Now, see, we're going to the place where when you and I know we've got the tank topped off by his stripes, I was healed. Got it topped off. It's in there. It's in the rule. It's in the majority. It's got the control. When I speak, that's the way it'll be. And it won't be different. It won't be less. It won't be later. That's the way it is. And see, that's how we're intended. That's how we're supposed to operate in the earth. Amen?